watch horror business driving late at night. Psycho 78, 12 o'clock, don't be late, I said all this horror business, my mirrors are black for you. Greetings and salutations, my name is Justin Lore. And I'm Ian McDonald. And you're listening to episode 60 of Horror Business. Now, if you hear a dog barking in the background, that's not your imagination. That's our special guest, whose name shall not be mentioned. Cerberus? Yeah. (laughs) It's fitting, because today, in this episode, we are indeed diving into the depths of hell with 1971's film, The Devils, and 1981's, also a film, The Other Hell. The Devils being directed by Ken Russell, The Other Hell being directed by horror business favorite Bruno Mattei. Bruno Mattei. You're being a little generous to... Uh, yeah, I don't think I like any of his movies aside from... <laughs> oh, Bru- oh, oh, are we talking Bruno Mattei films? Yeah, I like Hell of the Living Dead. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say, when it comes to Bruno Mattei, that I enjoy... Rats Night of Terror? Not very... Oh, okay, yes. I, <laughs> I know you were saying that humorously, but I actually do like Rats Night of Terror. Okay. Did he direct... I still haven't watched Shocking Dark. Shocking Dark is the unofficial Terminator ripoff, right? Yes. I haven't watched it yet. I have it on Blu-ray. I plan to watch it soon. Well, I mean, what you meant to say was unofficial Terminator sequel, because it's definitely officially a Terminator ripoff. It's just an You're right. That's that's what I meant. An unofficial sequel. Um, What about Strike Commando? Um, Violence in a Women's Prison? Mm. Women's Prison Massacre. Uh, I don't think I've actually seen Hell of the Living Dead. Mm. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> mm, yeah, uh, uh, I mean it's fine. It's not a bad uh, movie, but I mean, we'll what ta- about Bianco Apache? What Strike Commando Two? Robo War, Robota da Guara. I've never seen any of those movies. Cop Game. Are you just making these titles up? I'm reading the write-up. 1989, Born to Fight. A TV miniseries. Apuntamento a Triste. I think that's Apartment of Sadness. Appointment of Sadness. Mm. My Italian is rusty. I don't know any Italian. Or non-existent. Night Killer. Desire. Three for one. Dangerous Attraction. Dangerous Attraction came out in 1993, so, you know. You still find them work in the 90s. Well, I just mean it has to be good. No, it doesn't have to be good. 1993, Dangerous Attraction. Come on, man. You need to get into erotic thrillers. No, I don't. You're only against them because you're uncomfortable with your body. I mean, I'm certainly so not. Let's talk if by uncomfortable you mean disgusted, then yes. But I've made my peace with my physical form. If you are into erotic thrillers, hit us up at the Harbiz six 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 on Twitter. <sighs> Let us know about your interest in erotic thrillers. So the theme of this episode. Erotic thrillers. It's not going to be erotic thrillers. There's going to be a heavy overtone or undertone of eroticism. I, I wanted to do a, a an episode on non-sploitation, and while I think The Other Hell definitely counts as a non-sploitation film, I'm not so sure that The Devils does anymore. I actually would say that even... I think The uh, the Other Hell is a non-sploitation movie, but it's not a classic non-sploitation no. movie. It's very much a movie, A, from a dude who's seen The Devils, yeah, and B, from a dude who has seen like... Um, 
you know, a variety of like possession and exorcisty kind of movies. Yeah. And just like, let's just squish them all together and just do the thing. But, you know, a lot of times. Um, so I think it is a non-exploitation movie. It just doesn't hit all of the cliches. And I don't think The Devils counts as a. I mean, let's just say this. We did a double feature of nun movies. They're yeah. nuns in both movies. Yeah. I wanted to do, or I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. Liam wanted to do The Nun that recently came out, but I said, Liam, no, Stop. we can't do that. It's too Stop. soon. And he threatened Stop. to walk off this podcast. <laughs> I said, Liam, no. I know you love the James Waniverse more than anyone in this universe. No, we're not doing The Nun. Anyone who's listened he to the show. Down. He calmed down. Anyone who's listened to the he show knows down. that you gave that movie a good review. I know I gave a good review, but I didn't. you're the one who wanted to do it in this episode. And I said, no, we're doing The Devils and we're doing The Other Hell. And he calmed down eventually, and he 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 relented to my demands. I didn't give in to his. So if you wanted to hear us talk about Bonnie Aaron's masterpiece, you're not going to hear it today. But if you want to talk about it, you can like private message me, and I'll talk about it. It's fine. I like that movie. I'm Liam all, loved it. I'm always giving in to your demands. Yes. Much like... Sexually. M- much like the women in this movie are giving in to the devil's demands. Or are oh, they? But oh. before, we, before we get onto that, let us tell you who this episode is brought to you by. Who's that? This episode is brought to you by you, our Patreon subscribers, who we greatly appreciate and we bow down to and we bend the knee to and we owe everything to. Thank you so much. If you would like to be one of the people that we fawn over and 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 uh, scrabble before, I don't know what the word is. Scrabble? Uh, You know what they they like they they grouse in the dust. I'm making up words. (laughs) I'm making up words. If you want to be one of those people, let me head on over to. Uh, patreon.com backslash cinepunks and you, there's a little option there you can, you can throw a little thing our way it's appreciated we have some stuff to give to you we'll give you a shout out we always say we're gonna re- record more Patreon still content. haven't done the fucking endgame round table and we're never gonna goddamn do it we could do it you would just have to actually step up I, I oh, we're not gonna talk about this right now so step up for more information www.patreon.com backslash cinepunks or you can go to cinepunks.com and there's links all over there on how to subscribe to it remember to use the hashtag justin step up yes or lore step up that would work too justin pierre step up this episode is also brought to you by it's fitting that we're doing a, a movie we're doing movies about deviance this movie episode is also brought to you by the premier screen printing company of the lehigh valley and the greater lehigh valley area yes i am talking about lehigh valley apparel creations now Liam, sure. let's say you were, for some reason, going to mourn the demolition of a building in the Lehigh Valley that was a monument to all the worst things capitalism had to offer, and you wanted to get a t-shirt that, that had a, a shot of this, build, of this building, this tower, shooting off into space. Yeah. Where would you get that? Where, 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 would, you, where would you go? I mean, I think it's important to clarify for everyone out there that I would never do that and that if you did do that you should feel bad okay but that being said I would do that at Lehigh Valley Paradise. yes because if there's one thing that Chris Reject likes it's making money and making people feel bad yes <laughs> so <laughs> you can head to www.xlvacx.com for more information on how to get your your t-shirt with your rocket ship printed on it or your pins for your cool garage box I can't even speak. Am I having garage a stroke? Bach. Garage Bach is when you are composing classical music in, in your, your garage. garage. Your Garage Bach. Pins for your Garage Bach band. Go to <laughs> www.xlvacx.com for pricing, for all that. They'll take care of you. They'll do what needs to be done. 
Yeah. And while you're there, be sure there's a little comment section like, how'd you feel while, we, while you were here? Just write in there, Chris Reject is not straight edge. You can write in, much in the same way that when I voted this past week, instead of voting for John Morganelli, I did a write-in for not John Morganelli. <laughs> did you really do I that? I did do that, yeah. I don't care. Come at me. So, now, we've arrived at the segment in the podcast. I don't have an opinion on John Morganelli. Yes, you do. You just don't know it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I just, yeah. I'm not saying I have a positive opinion. I just don't know who that is. He's a district attorney for Northampton County. Anyway, we've arrived now. I don't like Sal Panto. No one does. Yeah. Now I ask Liam, as I gaze into the depths of my own very soul, to find the truth that is often obscured, but at this moment becomes as clear as glass. I say, Liam, have you done anything harm-related recently? And I shit in your face, is that... The world is shit in my face. <laughs> um, well, I actually did because we did something together. We did. Me and you went to Ye Old Drive In. Yes. For the Exhume Films Zombie Fest 5. Hell yeah. Now, y'all, I got to encourage you to do something this summer that involves going to the drive in. And even much more so uh, if it's an Exhume Films event. And not just because we had a great time. Because we did. Uh, side note: If you prefer a Phantasm sequel to the original Phantasm, <laughs> to quote, to, to quote, uh, Edward McGregor from the best of the prequels, you are lost. <laughs> uh, let's just say I sharing my opinion of you is not in good business sense to do to an audience member, but. Um, we saw Phantasm, and it was great. I did fall asleep for part of it, but that's because I am old and a dad, and so staying awake is hard for me. But I want to encourage you to go to the Mahoning Drive-In or go to any Exhumed event. Uh, one, well, I'm encouraging you because of one reason, but from two angles. And that one reason is uh, recently it was announced that the International House in Philadelphia is for sale, which means the Lightbox Film Center within it is most likely going away. Mm. Uh, in fact, today, Exhum Films, today being May 27th, you're not listening to this on that day, but uh, you probably by now know that uh, Exhum Films will be selling tickets for what is likely to be the final horathon, at least at the Lightbox Film Center. Those tickets go on sale on Saturday at their event. Um, and I just think about... All the people who didn't get to go, you yeah. know what I mean? Who who never got to experience an X Fest or a Horathon or even just a double feature there. And I think about how great Mahoning is. And 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 if you're someone who's thought, you know, I'll just go next year or I'll get it another time. Like, there's not going to be another time. No, at, at one location, so there might not be other places. So support now. Now I will say that makes it sound like I'm guilting people for not going to the light box. Uh, Lightbox wasn't going to save that building. <laughs> no. Uh, I think a lot of people did support Lightbox. Probably not as much as could have, but you know, I don't want you to feel like, oh, you screwed up or something like that if, if you're inclined to think that way. But I do think, for your sake, um, get out to more Exhume stuff because they do great work and they need your support, but also get out to that Mahoning place while it's still there. It's a, it's a miracle that a drive-in reopened and started showing film. It's amazing. 
Every time I go there, I'm blown away by it. It's that that shouldn't happen. So, uh, and it might not happen forever. They seem to be doing okay, but you never know. Yeah. So get out, and not just even for Exum events, though. Again, I want you to support Exum and all they do, but uh, you know. Go to something else that maybe is less popular at the drive-in. Yeah. I'm doing uh, the second chance weekend for Rough Cut. I'll be selling tees. Uh, they'll be showing Masters of the Universe and Howard the Duck. Hell yeah. Two movies that everyone says they don't like, but... Everyone is a bunch of fucking liars. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? It's like the sort of thing It's like, oh, that movie's dumb. But if you sit and watch it with a bunch of people and tell me you're not having fun... Yo, what first is off, wrong with First you? off, Howard the Duck is not dumb. Howard the Duck is was an introduction for me for the concept of a monster from another dimension. Sure. The Dark Overlords of the Universe, that is some straight-up Lovecraft shit, and I'm all there for it. I mean, I think it's fair to say that if you're a long-term fan of the comic book, Howard the Dark probably didn't deliver what you were looking for. No, I, 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 I almost guarantee it didn't. But is it still a fun movie? Yeah, yeah. it's fun. Just go have fun. Uh, maybe you don't like that. Come out for the Godzilla Fest that they're doing. Godzilla yeah. Palooza or whatever. Godzilla Palooza, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come out for Vampire Weekend. Mm-hmm. Not the band. No, fuck you. It's Vampire. <laughs> I know. I just you're just like saying <laughs> Vampire Weekend. I but that was the joke. I know, and I I ripped okay. it apart. Whatever. Justin. And um, the Big Bite Weekend with the the movie, the, the Crustaceous Amusement Place, and 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 Mouth or whatever it's called, Jaws and Jurassic Park. I don't know what you're talking about. Jaws and Jurassic Park. I've never heard of those films. Oh, is that uh, Spielbergo? Yes, yeah, so St- Stefan Spielbergo. <laughs> uh, anyway, so we had we had fun. We got to see uh, all kinds of uh, cool people that we know. Shout out to Brian Christopher. Oh, Brian Christopher. Look, here's the thing about Brian Christopher. Take seriously social media. Because we met Brian Christopher at VHS Fest mm-hmm. last year. And then we haven't seen him. He hasn't interacted with us in yeah, real life. I don't He's just him. occasionally hit us up on Twitter. And yet we saw him and it was like hanging out with an old friend because uh, social media, if you want it to be, can be a place where you actually interact with you. It is. It can be a beautiful thing. Yeah. So anyways, big ups to him. It was cool hanging out. Big ups to all the people who came out. It was packed. I really think this was probably one of their more successful events they've ever had. Uh, and we had a good time. And if you were there, you might have seen some flyers for Cinepunks and Rough Cut mm-hmm. in the spot. Feel free to grab those next time you're in there. Uh, and big ups to Mahoning. We l- we love you guys a lot. Um, I wonder if there was something. Oh, uh, uh, for me, horror related, I want to say, uh, I have said it on here before a little bit, but I just want to reiterate how much I love this new run of Fangoria. I finally finished okay. the volumes I got. I usually dive into them right away, and then I just get busy and I don't get to finish them. Yes. So I finally got to finish uh, the two uh, ones that came out recently, and... They're really great, and big ups to a uh, friend of the show, Phil Nobile. He's and 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 first class flying mate of mine. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> y'all hung out in that first class like fucking ballers, separated from the peasants, from the little people. Where we, <sighs> you're such an elitist. I am. I mean, the, the the ginger ale and the hot peanuts flowed like the fucking land of milk and honey. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I just think they're they're killing it. And then something else. This is not something I did recently, but I think it's just worth mentioning. I, I did it in the sense of I read about it. Um, Cinepocalypse, friend of the show, Josh Goldblum, puts together a great fest. They, a few weeks ago, announced their lineup. I really wanted to go. I was really trying to get Doug to do something with me for Eric Roberts is the fucking man where we would do an event. 
sort of like a final event for Eric Roberts. I just don't think it's going to work out, y'all. And that's not on Doug. I, just, I mean, I was, I was setting it up like it was Doug's fault. But, you know, I'm just busy and poor. And so I just don't think I'm going to get to Chicago. But um, if that changes, I'll let people know on the social means and we should hang out. If you have the means to get to Chicago at all, even a little bit, just get there, man, because the lineup for this thing is is killer. Um, there's a lot of highlights. If you go to Cinepunks.com, our man Nick Spacek did a really great write-up. One of the things I think is funny is, uh, you know, they're doing a, a Guar retrospective, showing some movies that Guar has been in. That's so right. And they're doing a movie that Guar likes, and Guar is doing a live commentary of this movie. So I think that's pretty sick. That's pretty dope. Yeah. So um, if you go to the Music Box website, that's the theater where they have it in Chicago, or if you just Google Cinepocalypse, uh, you'll find the full lineup. A lot of new horror movies. Uh, I don't want to go through and highlight all the ones that look interesting. I don't know a lot about them, but that's, that's the sort of fest this is. There's definitely some retro stuff, including a 70 millimeter of uh, Total Recall, which... that's That sounds fun. That in and of itself is enough for me to go, but... Um, but there's also a lot of newer movies, and we here, even though we mostly cover older movies, uh, we respect uh, fests that support new horror and new horror directors, creators, whatever. So, anyways, that's all I got. How about you, Justin? What have you done that's horror-related other than listen to me snore for 10 minutes, 15 <laughs> minutes of Phantasm? This isn't the main thing I wanted to talk about, but I figure it's worth bringing up. They dropped the trailer for It Chapter 2. It looks fucking insane. Have we not recorded since we they came out? We have not recorded since then. Whoa! I the I said it I said it online, but I want to reiterate here that trailer fucked my shit up. Yeah, you texted me immediately it, with it, it gave, gives me. me anxiety. Yeah, uh, you've probably seen it. There's no real need to dive into it, but holy fucking shit! If that's like if that's where they're going with this movie, it really is going to be a nightmare to watch in the best possible way. Um, but I'm here for it. I'm I'm all I'm I'm all here for it. Uh, by the time this comes out in vague Stephen King related news by the time this comes out we'll probably be a few days away from the premiere of Nosferatu on AMC it's based on the book by Joe Hill Stephen King's son Uh, it's great the book's great check it out but the only movie I saw is one that is a little bit called a little little bit of contention in the Cinepunks community and that film is the James Gunn produced evil Superman film Brightburn now I admit that when I say something is fun, yes, 80% of the time, that's my way of saying, like, I wasn't crazy about this movie, but it wasn't terrible. Um, but I did have fun watching this movie. What I liked about it was that it successfully told the story of a couple who's dealing with what it's like to coexist with something that they don't know, with a complete stranger. They don't know who this person is. Suddenly their child becomes something that they have no idea how to deal with it. I thought that the casting, um, it was Elizabeth Banks and some some guy. Uh, I think they did a really good job of, of just conveying what it would be like to actually be in that situation where all of a sudden you're dealing with something where there's this fucking stranger living in your house and that stranger might kill you. Um, the gore was good. If you're a gore hound, you like that. There's a lot of like really insane uh, kills, I guess is the term. Uh, but what I didn't like about this movie is that it didn't really... It seemed too, too scatterbrained almost. Like there was a lot of really cool ideas going on. Now, you've, if you know me in real life or on social media, you know that I don't find the idea of evil Superman. I don't think this movie's breaking any any ground, and it really, it really, it really wasn't. The idea has been around for years. Like, what if Superman were to go bad? So that's not what 
I was really going into to see to kind of make me like this movie. But even with that like low expectation, this movie couldn't make up its mind where it wanted to go. Um, there was a lot of really interesting ideas flying around, but none of them were really sort of drawn together in like, into like any sort of cohesive narrative about what the characters' motivations were. And I know it sounds kind of dumb to dissect the motivations of a 12-year-old kid who suddenly realizes he can fly and he's super strong and he can blow shit up with his eyes. But it was really frustrating watching this movie and seeing these scenes where the movie couldn't make up its mind where it wanted to go. And it could have been a lot more than it, it was in the end. And even though I still actually, I, I, I think I like this movie. I really think I like this movie. But it could have been a lot more. Like there was a lot of really cool ideas just laying around that all they needed to do was just one solid string to run through them and this could have been a great movie. Uh, another thing I didn't really like about it was there's been talk that this movie has some misogynistic uh, undertones or overtones. I could see that. Uh, I didn't catch it personally, but I'm not going to say it's like outlandish to think that. The one thing that I was sort of uncomfortable with watching this was this movie, if seen by the wrong person, I was going to say right person, if the wrong person were to see this movie, this movie could very easily be seen as a justification for an argument against immigration. Sure. Because the whole movie is about, you know, this kid keeps <laughs> repeating this phrase that this alien ship is beamed into his brain and the phrase is just take the world. And it's not a far stretch to be from take the world to take their world, take their culture, take their women. Uh, so that was one thing I was watching and I was like, I don't know. I'm not going to say it's irresponsible for them to make a movie like this in this, in this day and era, day and age, because I don't think that was their intent. You know, obviously I don't think James Gunn would sign on to something that had, you know, like propaganda like that. But nonetheless, I do think that the wrong person seeing this could easily interpretate this as like, the right man, fuck immigrants. We gotta we gotta close the borders down and not let these kids that are falling out of the fucking sky in spaceships into our houses and into our schools. One of the reviews I read said the film had a lot of things in it to remind you you were in Trump's America. Okay. But no actual commentary about that reality. Yeah, I could see that. So like uh, a character is writing a paper called, you know, living in a post truth world or yeah. whatever. And it's like, oh yeah, right, yeah, because that is that's the context we're yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. And then the movie's like, okay, that's it. We don't want we don't want to talk about that. We just yeah, just to remind there, you, there's this like is a, the, how things are now. There's like an Alex Jones analog in it, and they sure. don't really take it anywhere. They're just like, we're gonna use this to like sort of make a, a funny, snarky commentary upon superheroes. Yeah, I mean, I the negative reviews I saw were along the lines of like, this movie has one good idea, which is. What if at 12 years old, Superman murdered a bunch of people, basically? But that's but, been fucking done already. And that's the thing. And that's what is funny is those were like the negative reviews. The really negative reviews were ones who goes, not only is there only this idea, but it's an idea that already exists yeah. and has already been done way ra better. Rather well. Yeah. Ra rather well. Um, yeah. I Here's the thing. To give you the range here friend of the show, Adriana Gober, texted me immediately after seeing it, said, I hated this movie. This is very bad. Meanwhile, earlier this weekend, friend of the show, John Wren, saw it, fucking loved it, said it was one stripe away, one step away from being a great movie, is how he described it. So, you know, it's getting a very, a varied response. Yes. Um, uh, what it, You know, friend of the show, uh, 
Well, I guess he's more of a friend of Cinnabon's. But Dan Scully tweeted, hey, guys, I really liked We Need to Talk About Super Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, you know, I here's the thing, y'all. A little peek behind the curtain here. Often, when there's one of these newer horror movies and Justin's got to see it and I haven't got to see it, it's like, oh, I, don't, I don't have time to go to the movies. Here's the thing. I made time to go to the movies this weekend. And I could have gone to see Brightburn. And I was like, y'all, let's go see motherfucking Booksmart. That's what I hear. And you know what? It was so good. I, I know if you listen to the show, you probably only watch horror. And you don't even know there are other movies. But there are other movies. I think they know there are other movies. And sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're very bad, too. I don't want to give you the wrong yeah. impression. But sometimes they're very good. And Booksmart is very good. So... Uh, I, I do plan to see Brightburn eventually. I don't I don't think any of the negative reviews were so negative that I'm like, never. I will never see it. I mean, but it, I I don't know that I'm going to spend money. I might wait till I can see it for free. I think you share a similar view to me, in that if the biggest if the biggest wait for this movie is going to be like, what if Superman were evil? You're like, yeah, we we know what it would be like. Yeah, we fucking did that. For 40 years, Batman's been carrying a fucking kryptonite ring on his belt because he's been afraid of that happening. We right. know what it's like. Right. Um, but, you know, I, I think what I said on Facebook was that this movie, it was on its way to being cool, and then it took the wrong turn, and it just ended up in mediocre. Watchable, right. but not not great. Well, and I also think, again, I haven't seen it yet, but this version, which is like he's he's doing his thing at 12, is actually less interesting than what something like Irredeemable. You know, well, Irredeemable is like... No, he's trying to be good, but that doesn't mean he is good. Well, Irredeemable also has the has has the added sort of the heaviness of he is one you know to stay in comic book territory and Alan Moore. He's one bad day away from like losing his shit, and right. he just happens to have that fucking bad day, right. and it's amazing. Right. So, and so there's this whole idea in Irredeemable of like you people don't appreciate me and you don't know what it's like to be me. No one, you know, everyone takes me for granted. Why should I give you people anything? Right. In this movie, it can't make... That's my biggest problem with it. It can't make up its mind where... Spoiler alert, I guess. They sort of allude that this this whole... This thing happening to him is just because he's been activated by the ship that he came in. Like, one night he... there, it, And this is all in the trailer. You see it all. There's the scene in the trailer where he's, like, shake, trying to pull the doors open. And later, you know, what happens in the movie is he's doing that and his mom comes up behind him and she like grabs him and he like wakes up and he's like, where am I? Like, what am I doing out here? And he's like freaking out about it. So it's there's this whole idea that like maybe this isn't him. Maybe he's being sent to Earth from some superior race as like a sleeper agent. And now he's being activated and he's like the front lines of whatever. Sort of like Omni-Man was an invincible. Spoiler alert. But... The flip side to that is later in the movie, after he's done all this horrible shit, when they're like, oh, by the way, like we didn't get from an adoption agency. Like you fell out of the sky in a fucking spaceship. And he's like, so you've been lying to me? Like, I'm, I'm not even from here. And he fucking freaks out. And I think a, a very fascinating idea would have been like if he was doing all this evil shit and not remembering it at all, like on autopilot and being completely amnesic. Sure. And then they're still being like, you're terrible for doing this. And he's like, but I didn't, I don't, I can't remember doing any of this. Like, why are you holding this against me? And at the end, he's like, you know what? If you're going to try and kill me, which whatever, he's like, fuck you. I'm going to go after you first. That would be a great story. But they never fucking get there. They never, they never well, they commit to well, either, either story. Because, all right. 
they've written themselves again i haven't seen it but it feels like they've written themselves into a hole here in the sense that if this is just a movie about child who is actually alien is dangerous yeah been done yeah read hyperion by j michael straczynski or, i'm sorry supreme power by j michael straczynski but i mean even without that's what i'm saying the 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 hook here is the superman thing because if it's a movie where it's like actually the kid is an alien yeah or the kid is satan or the kid is a psychopath two other movies came out like that this fucking year let yeah. alone ever yeah so the superman thing is supposed to be the unique angle only that probably only appeals to people who are not familiar with comic books. Posers. I wouldn't say posers. <laughs> no, I'll take that back, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. If you're familiar with comic books, then you know this has been done. So the thing you added to make your scary child movie more interesting is actually well-trod territory. Yes. You see what I'm saying? Whereas like, then you're just like, well, what if they had done this movie without the superhero angle? Well, fuck, that's, that is, again, that's the... Like, that happens all the time. It's called The Good Son, starring Macaulay Culkin and Elijah Wood. <laughs> yeah. Or whatever, the 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 movie on, on the island where all the kids turn bad on the island and no one can figure out how to punch a kid in the face. Lord of the Flies? No, 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 no. This is with adults. I forget what it's called. It's not called The Island. It's called... Something. Island of the Kids Who Won't who won't Get Punched in the Face? If that's what it should have been called. Because the whole time I'm like... There are not enough children for this. We've talked about this before. I don't want to bore people with no, this. No, no. Liam's hatred of scary kid movies is well documented. It, yo, I love a scary kid movie where the kid is conniving. Yeah. And you don't realize. Like, you brought one up. The Good Son. Yeah. Macaulay Culkin fakes being a normal human. So it makes sense that no one just punches him in his fucking child face because they don't know that they should be punched. But when the movie's like, no, these kids, they know right away that they're dangerous. Yeah. But who could hurt a child? Me. <laughs> if a child pulls a knife on me, they're getting their fucking arm broken at the very least. <laughs> I just, it, it, that's the other thing. Like, the only option then, like, the idea, like, well, there are four kids here and they're trying to hurt me. So I can't murder a child. Therefore, I must allow them to murder me. It's like, there's a lot of things you could do that are just a step beyond, like, below murdering a child. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's, there's, whatever. I don't have to get on this, this high horse again because it makes me really upset. Point being, you would would you recommend people go out and see it, or do you think people should I, be I, choosy? I, I don't know. If you want to spend like, I don't want to shit talk this movie too much, because I I think I'm, I'm I think I'm coming off as harsher than I mean to be, but then again, maybe this movie should have been better and treated me better. And I know I've often said that creators don't owe me anything, but maybe just a little bit, just maybe you should work a little harder to make me to I don't know. Go see this movie, I guess. If it's at like a five if it's at your local cinema for like five dollars, go see it. I think I think just from what people have said, and again I haven't seen it, I bet this movie's more enjoyable for people who are not already very familiar with the various properties that have already done this. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if you're like, Oh, that sounds like an original idea, that's not something I'm familiar with, you would probably like it. But if you're someone who's like I don't know. I already know this story a bunch of other times. That, yeah, yeah. You know, at least maybe wait till it's free. You know, because it's gonna be on something streaming. Eventually. Yeah. I will say, and I know we said it already before. I I will hold the filmmakers of this movie. I will hold it against them that we are probably never gonna get any sort of irredeemable miniseries or 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 movie now. Sure. Just because this. So I'm I'm angry at you, Gun Brothers. Hmm. Yeah, but please make Guardians of the Galaxy three. Uh, so that was all I did. 
Um, I guess we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to we're going to start off the fun segment of our show with Ken Russell's 1971. We'll call it a biopic. <laughs> call it a biopic. A father urban grandier. grandier. A, a almost entirely fabricated historical drama. Loosely based on actual events. Inspired Ooh. by true events. Yeah, no, that's right. Inspired, inspired by, by true, true events. events. This is the fire in the sky of the religious world. Well, it's inspired by a play. Well, based off a play, that which is loosely inspired by a by book. Tr- by a book. That was loosely inspired by true events. I feel like the book is closer to the, the events. Yeah, than sure. The just like the Am- J-, J. Anson's Amityville Horror was. You know. Stop it. There are no Warrens involved in this. No, there's not. No. The Thank devils. God, they're all dead. Thank God. So. We're going to take a quick break. We get back. We're going to talk about 1971's The Devils. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. The Devils Burn. An explosive film. Absolutely brilliant. ABC TV. Superbly, frighteningly effective. Time magazine. But of course I can prove nothing. This Mother Superior may be little more than a hysterical nun. Exactly. Mere conjecture. And what form does this incubus take? The Devils is not a film for everyone. Vanessa Redgrave, Oliver Reed, in Ken Russell's film of The Devils. And we are back to talk about 1971's biopic, The Devils. Written and directed by Ken Russell, based on the play by John Whiting, starring Vanessa Redgrave, Motherfucking Oliver Reed, Dudley Sutton, and a few other people. Uh, you might know. I just wanted. To, I, I I didn't realize this because I'm. I admit my my actual real quote unquote film knowledge is kind of bullshit. I didn't realize it was the same guy who directed Altered States until we watched this. What? I didn't know that. <sighs> Altered States is such a fucking cool movie. So let's let's uh, from what you're saying. I feel like I can just go ahead and assume that you're pretty unfamiliar with Ken Russell in general. Uh, w- unless, what else has he directed? I mean, he's, I see he directed Tommy. I've seen Tommy as well. But Tommy isn't nearly as impactful on me as Altered States was. Uh, Lair of the White Worm? I've never heard of it. Oh, man. I'm fucking with you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Crimes of Passion? That I've never seen. Oh, wow. We need to see that. It's not a horror film. But Ugh. Crimes of Passion... Is uh Anthony Perkins? Yes, Perkins. It was like right onto my tongue. I couldn't get there. Anthony Perkins, uh, directed by Ken Russell from nineteen eighty four. Kathleen Turner, mm. Anthony Perkins, and Bruce Bruce Davison. Oh, cool. Uh, it's one of these sort of like um, <coughs> Bruce Davison thinks he's gonna save Kathleen Turner from a life as a prostitute. Uh, and then it turns out Kathleen Turner, she just likes being a prostitute at night. She actually has a normal life. That's she's right. Not being a prostitute. Uh, but she has a relationship, a love-hate relationship with Anthony Perkins, who is a street preacher who also is obsessed with pornography. Interesting. So he's out on the street yelling, everyone's going to hell. So and me in 20 years. Sometimes he sneaks in and watches. Oh. And he's, it's, he just, he is convinced he needs to save Kathleen Turner's soul. Gotcha. And she's convinced Maybe he's not so bad if he could just let go and be a normal human, and he just can't figure out how to do that. But um, the movie I was trying to remember too, "Women in Love" from 1969, also starring Oliver Reed, mm. Criterion film, I think, sort of got 
that that was like Ken Russell. Because Ken Russell had been doing a lot of TV. Yeah. Which in England doesn't mean slumming it. Like it's BBC. He's doing like art stuff. Yeah. But then um, he got the budget to do this Women in Love movie and it really hit over there. I don't know if it was a big um, American hit, but it really was what set him up to make The Devils um, because that's like people were like, oh, he makes these artsy movies that whatever. There's a there's an extended uh, male nude wrestling scene. Oh, hello. In uh, Women in Love. I think that's right. Women in Love. Uh uh, he also made Listomania. Uh, he did a short for Elton John. I'm trying to see what else. There's one other thing he did that I thought you might have seen. I don't see it here. Sometimes it's hard to find stuff when you have... Because he did a lot of TV movies, which I know. Um, Salome's Last Dance, Lair of the White Worm. Oh, Gothic. Did you ever see Gothic from 1986? No. Oh, man, that was something that I saw way before I knew who Ken Russell was. And then when I found out he directed it, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Okay. He's kind of, I mean, the thing about Ken Russell is that he's both underrated and overrated. (laughs) He's underrated in the sense that his greatest movies um, don't get the respect they deserve, I don't think. What would you say his greatest movies were? For me, I think Women in Love, The Devils, and uh, Listomania are my favorites. Okay. I think Crime of Passion is really good, but I get the fact that that movie isn't popular. I mean, it's Anthony Perkins is very upsetting in it. He's very upsetting. So, like, the fact that that movie never took off makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Whereas The Devils is a very upsetting movie, but I feel like it's part of its art that it's so upsetting, and I think people were just too uptight in 1971 for what that movie was. Fair enough. Um on the other hand, I think he's overrated in the sense of he wasn't given as many opportunities to do stuff as he should have been. And so we lift up the few movies he made that were really great and we're like, he's a great director. Yeah, yeah. But then you kind of ignore the fact that like every time one of his movies didn't get what it should have, he went back to theater or TV or he did shorts. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there are other directors who have a much larger output that is also good so like long term i mean this is an unfair comparison but you could say like okay even taking into account the bad movies no one's had a run as long as the coen brothers yeah i mean like coen brothers just keep being able to get hollywood to get the money to make movies that are actually good but i like the devils more than any coen brothers movie fair enough Mm, that's not quite true but i think some of ken russell's greatest movies i think are better than anything a director like that did, but it's hard to make a strong case because there's only so many movies in the collection altogether that he was able to do. He just did a lot of other things, and he wasn't above just doing work. Like, I'm just yeah. going to go work at TV to pay the bills, you know, because I'm sure he lost money on The Devils. There's just no way that this movie made any money. The Devils is a... the sto- It's a loose adaption of the story of Urbane Grangier, I think I'm pronouncing my my, my French is terrible. Grandier. Grand, Grandier. I'm sorry. Uh, Urbane Grandier was a 16th or 17th century priest who, um, if you've heard of the Devils of Loudon, it was a series of quote unquote possessions in 17th century France where um, there was these nuns who were saying that this uh, priest was compelling them to commit unholy acts and was conspiring with the devil and this that the other thing. And a bunch of bad shit happened. There was a bunch. There was this insane. I guess the equivalent. If it were happening today, you would call it a media circus around these exorcisms. There were these public exorcisms where all this 
insane shit was going on. Um, and I, I, I literally mean absolute insanity the way these, these, the way these women were treated. And, uh, eventually he was convicted and, and, uh, tried and burned at the stake for what he did or what they said he did. Uh, I think this movie, it sort of, it, I don't want to say it romanticizes, uh, the character, the man from history, but they obviously lean into the more tragic elements of the story. I mean, obviously it sucks that an innocent man was, this guy wasn't actually conspiring with the devil and these nuns weren't actually possessed. This was a setup to, you know, to kind of railroad this guy, which is, which sucks a lot. Uh, but this movie definitely paints it as a far more tragic and romantic figure. Like he has a, a woman he truly loves and all this, all this fun stuff. And it's Oliver Reed. So, you know, you know, you know what that means. I think what this movie is mostly known for and what stood up for me the most was uh, I couldn't quite place my finger on what was so appealing about it to me until Liam pointed out that this movie looks less like something that was shot that is about 17th century France. And it's it has this vague, almost futuristic look to it. It's very I wouldn't even say it's not vague at all. It's literally was an intentional choice to be futuristic and we don't mean futuristic like they, they don't have like visors and fucking laser beams and shit no it's all in the set design the, yeah the person who did the set design for this is very famous and um people who follow me on social media know i was reading a book about this movie uh but it's about the making of this film which is a uh, you know i only got halfway through the book and it's already crazy all the things i wanted to make this movie but one of the things is that the set designer before this was famous for theater work and other sort of art stuff and went on to be do even more amazing things after this film. So this was a great achievement in set design, which if you're more of a casual film watcher, you might not pay attention to that sort of thing. But I think set design is a huge, massive thing. It really sets the tone for what you're watching. And in a film like this, everything is artifice, right? Like yes. If you're making a Joe Swanberg film, set design is, are we going to film this in Joe's basement or not? Are we going to go to the local brewery and film a scene there? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Th- I'm not saying there's no art to that, but it's a different kind of art. It's it's the art of being real. This is like, okay, we have to recreate this ancient time. Where are we going to find a castle that doesn't look too broken down? And Ken Russell is like, no, fuck it. We're going to build it, man. Yeah. We're going to build the whole goddamn thing. We're going to just find a field. We're going to build a whole fucking city and i don't want to look like old old city i want it to look modern i want it to i want people to be questioning what time they're in because i want them to be thinking about now but knowing it's not now it feels almost vaguely dreamlike at times a lot of the architecture right i think that's i think uh, all of that was intentional a lot of it was of course faked like they didn't actually have all that marble. Like sometimes no. when you think you're looking at marble, it's just, it's just they they made something shiny. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. You're just like, wow, that's that's good set design, you know. But, but I think it was a real accomplishment, and and where a lot of the thought went in was that feel, as well as the costumes. Some of the costumes are period accurate. A lot of them are not. They're costumes that look like they're making fun of period accurate costumes. Some of these costumes look like the costumes that children would make if they were playing dressed right. up as superheroes, particularly right. the lead exorcist who comes in wearing a a tank top, basically, like a sleeveless shirt, a fucking cape, these, like, gauntlet gloves, and, like, John Lennon glasses. And, he, you know, he's just shouting and fucking screaming the whole time. I was also going to say, another, one of the best pieces of set design, I think, was the layer of the, the weird scientists, like the biologists. Yes. Their fucking hideout, their layer, yeah. was so cool. It's insane. 
it's it's like a weird pit of despair. Yeah, there's like a like a like a catwalk over a boiling pit. Yeah, who knows what they're keeping cooking in there? Crocodiles, horrible things. Yeah. Um, I I, I just want to talk before we get too much into the movie. I want to mention when we say this movie's controversial, it, it's worth keeping in mind. So it came out uh, in first released in July 1971 with an X rating. And was banned by 17 local authorities in England uh, for distribution. Uh, when it was released in the U.S., it was a, a highly edited version, missing large, large sections of the movie, some of which have been lost to time. Uh, early reviews of the movie, Judith Christ, Grand Fiesta for Sadists and Perverts. Mm, yes, Jay Christ. Sounds almost like Jay Christ. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Derek Malcolm called it a very bad film indeed. Derek Malcolm, a shit taste. And Je- Roger Ebert gave the film a rare zero stars rating. No shit. Zero stars. The homie Roger didn't like this. However, it won the award for Best Director for Foreign Film at the Venice Film Festival. Um, although it was comp- temporarily confiscated in Verona, it wasn't going to be shown. And then suddenly it was shown. Uh, the United States National Board of Review awarded Ken Russell Best Director. Um, for the Devils and his next film, The Boyfriend. And film historian Joel W. Findler uh, called The Devils uh, Russell's most brilliant cinematic achievement, but widely regarded as his most distasteful and offensive work. It's important to note the version we watched has a bunch of footage restored. Um, this is this is the issue. Again, I am I have a mixed relationship with censorship. In theory, I hate it and halt. I hate censorship. But then in reality, there are some things that probably do need to be censored, like child pornography. Great. Yeah, get rid of it. Uh, instructions on how to make uh, an, an undetectable plastic gun. Yes. I mean, you know, I guess that's fine, but it's not fine. Or in other words, I'm not surprised that whatever. But in this case, this is a film that was so immediately slapped with an X everywhere that... Um, they made these massive cuts. And then, of course, no one maintained that footage. So they just assumed once it was cut, you would never need it again. Yeah. Um, the biggest cuts were made by the studio itself prior to submission to the BBFC. Two of the most notable scenes were removed in their entirety. One was a two-and-a-half-minute sequence of naked nuns sexually assaulting a statue of Christ. Another scene showing Sister Jeanne masturbating with the charred femur of Grandier. Mm, spoiler alert. Mm. The film was released uh, in X-Form, blah, 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 US version. Though the U.S. version was two minutes and 42 seconds shorter than the U.K. theatrical release, um, which was already short. Uh, I will say, I think this movie, it it was infamous for a long time. And then it started to get some critical reappraisal when someone found a bunch of the missing footage and edited it back in. Um, And that might seem weird. Like, okay, so they added in all the gross stuff. How does that make the movie better? But I actually think, A, some of what they edited in was not just nudity and... Well, it was mostly edited for nudity and sex stuff. Not that much violence was edited out of the movie. Yeah. But I also think it gives it context. I, what's interesting about this form of censorship is that when you actually make the movie less extreme, it seems more like a cheap attack at the church. Yeah. When it gets so extreme, it's upsetting, you start to understand it's a movie that, yes, is mad about the church and mad about government and all these things, but it's also about how fucking insane we are like you could replace the church in this movie with something else in an in if it was like a dream and not a historical thing yeah and it would still be about 
crazy people. Well, and the crazy people, by the way, are not the quote unquote hysterical nuns who actually mm, aren't hysterical until the system forces them, like basically says, you will do these things yeah, or yeah, yeah. we will murder you. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, yeah, of course they let loose. Of course these sad women who did not want to be in a fucking convent. Yeah, they make that very clear in the yeah. beginning. So I, anyways, I don't want to get into that aspect of it. I just wanted to say all that stuff, that this is a movie that was has been very much under attack and very much um, you know, censored and left out and uh, trying to keep away from us uh, in some form or other, you know, since it came out, since 1971. Yeah. Uh, and only in the last literally 10 to 15 years have you people been able to see a less edited version still not the complete version that our man was like this is my movie yeah so uh let's get back to the movie itself um so you were talking a little bit about how you know garnier is a romanticized figure yeah they sort of in the very beginning in the very beginning of the movie they i think they they probably established what he was actually like in that uh was he a bad guy probably not was he as bad as, you know, they made him out to be? Probably not. I mean, I think you could make the case that he is an opportunist. Yeah, absolutely. He's definitely a man who joined the priesthood for a certain reason, didn't take his vows right. too seriously. You know, he liked to have his way with the women. He liked to dip his wick here every now and again. But who doesn't? Well, I think it's important to realize he's an opportunist in the sense of, like, there's no strong social responsibility on men to take responsibility for their actions when it comes to how they treat women in the society, other than angry fathers. Yes, he was also, I, I think, Rangier was fully aware of his position. He was fully aware of the power he had over people, and he fully exploited that to every chance he got to get whatever he wanted. I, he doesn't seem cruel in it, though. I think this, the you know, the, 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 the young woman he uh, seduces and befouls, is an adult. She's not like 14. No, you know but in real I mean? life she was 16. Sure, 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 sure. I'm saying what we're presented in the movie yeah, yeah. is not real life, which I think in I think I think it's important to keep in mind the actual historical figure is not Oliver Reed. Unfortunately not. But it's also worth pointing out that in this movie he is literally Christ down from the cross. Mm-hmm. Which is insane. He's not this fucking martyr. Uh, okay. I mean, technically he is. But the all no no no. It's important to say this though. All of the imagery of him being like Christ is not him though. No 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 no. That's I, all this nun. So okay, let's back this up to give you guys a little more context. What we have here is a lascivious priest, right? He has his reasons. You know, he 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 believes that people are sinful and that the church is not going to remove their sin. Yes. He believes that there's beauty in sex and sexuality and in physicality and. This has all been denied to him, and and he's confused by that. And so in that confusion, he makes bad decisions, and his authority allows him to abuse the people around him. But I don't think in a cruel way. It's just when when he's in a position where he needs to take responsibility for what he's done, he's able to not take responsibility. And that's really his biggest sin in the movie is that he... uh, is apparently sleeping with all kinds of women, mm-hmm. and when one of them becomes pregnant, he just disavows. He does not take responsibility. No, no, yeah. And that is a terrible thing. And and honestly, I don't. I I will disagree with you a little bit. I don't think the movie 
wants us to think, oh, that's no big deal. Like, I think the movie starts off being like, this guy's not a great guy. Yeah. But then when immediately what they show you is that, look, 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 he's not a great guy. But guess what? The forces around him are far worse than anything Absolutely. he's done. Absolutely. And so you you shouldn't make him a messiah. And in fact, the she's not a villain either. Vanessa Redgrave in this movie is not a villain. She's a pawn more than anything. She's she's a bit of a pawn. She has a certain amount of authority. She basically is someone who uh, is has gone into a position of power as well. Mm-hmm. And the suggestion here is that... Um, these folks, various folks, go into the church because it is where the only power and authority and protection is available to them if they are middle class and below. Mm-hmm. Mostly middle class, but even below that, they could get in somehow. And so the idea here is she's another person. She's deformed. She has a you know, messed up back. She's got a, a hump on her back, but it's like extreme. It's done for like pure over the top. Yeah. And she's clearly joined the sisterhood because of that. She can't get married. Mm-hmm. But... Um, there are a number of sisters who join the sisterhood, the you know convent, um, because their parents just can't afford a dowry for them, which is so fucking tragic. And because her situation is not that, that she actually thinks she's very beautiful, and that it's really just this thing on her back mm-hmm. that she can't control. She resents these other women, especially because they show up and they pretend to be so pious. And she's like, "You're not. You're not. You're. You are fake." Yeah. Well, she's got her own secrets, and one of them is that she is fantasizing about our character Grandier, and she has all these fantasies about him. And it gets into something which I think is true that a lot of spirituality and mysticism from this time period was sexualized. Yes. You know, the way the saints would describe their interactions with the spirits of Christ were like, you're fucking Christ. You don't want to write this, but come on. Yeah, the passion, the ecstasy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so she is deifying Grandier because of her desire for him. It's the only way she can absorb and think about her desire is to make him Jesus because it makes it less sexual, less obviously sexual, you know? Yeah, but that scene where she's licking the wound in his side is... Oh, she eventually masturbates on screen. Yeah. About Grande. So, point being, it, what we're seeing here is how uh, taking all this human desire and squishing it down and forcing it into this. When, when we say this is this convent is not like some sort of like fun retreat center where you just pray and hang out with your sisters. Like this is like deep, controlled uh, devotion. They're locked away. They don't interact with any other men, ex- with any men basically, except for the priest who's in charge of them. Yes, like it's it's very much a holy prison where you just pray. Yeah, Basically. it's it's very, it's so ritualistic and so cenobitic almost. Okay. And I don't mean the cenobites as in the fucking Hellraiser. I mean like the cla- the actual term cenobites, where, where, where they're the, the, the they the, they live these very Spartan existence, where their entire existence is dedicated to praising and praying and studying and learning and seeing God in this. It, it, it's very sure. mystical and very. It's it's hard to explain. I I it's like right on the fucking tip of my tongue. But none of these women are that. Like this is the idea. She is. She is. And this but place even, is. But even her, she's living a lie. They're all living lies. That, uh, but, well, okay. But what they're what they're aiming for, and the way it's set up, and the way their lives are, where they're they're constantly right. doing these prayers, and there is these these rituals. It it's like vaguely pagan. I don't know. 
but it's I mean you could say all of Catholicism is vaguely pagan if you yeah. want to be an uptight Protestant. And honestly, this is the situation if you are an uptight Protestant listening to this, this is the situation to be that because uh historically what's happened is the Catholics have won. And most of the countryside is littered with the bodies of Protestants. Just strung up for everyone to see to remind you that you should be paying uh, obeisance to the Holy Church. Yes. And what is different about Loudon is it's one of the few places where Protestants were not wholesale murdered because it had these big-ass walls, basically. Yeah, yeah. And so um, the governor of the town dies. And so the uh, cardinal seizes an opportunity here. Look, there are fucking Protestants there. There's some filthy Protestants there. So... we combined the goal of the church, which is total domination, and the goal of the crown, which is total domination. We tear down those goddamn walls, and then we just start prosecuting the people there till we find all the Protestants yes. and, and murder them. And uh, you know, I'm not no no harshness on you if you're a Catholic. Like, it sounds like I'm being hyperbolic. That's literally what happened: is that the the Protestants lost, and now they're they're getting murdered because they lost. And that's, so that's historically what happened too. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So I, it, it, well, that's what I mean. I'm describing that historical situation. Yeah. So w- the reason Grande is set up is not is partly related to his indiscretions. He's gotten a very powerful young lady pregnant, and her father is mad. But that small sin was well, big sin in some ways. But small sin combines with a larger thing that we actually are shown is good about him, which is that he is unafraid of the crown and he's unafraid of his own church. Yeah. Yeah. And the the well-being of Ludon is more important to him than anything else. Yes. And so he wants to defend this city. And the problem here is that, like many leaders, he doesn't realize the vulnerability he has. He doesn't see his own Achilles heel, which is that um, he's very much pissed this man off, and this man is willing to do anything. Uh, Yeah. And this man basically opens the door for the powers that be to go around him. So what had happened was the governor left until they... It was basically left a, a letter like, um, Grandier is in charge until we get a new governor. And the king has a special spot in his heart for the old governor and had told him the walls don't have to come down. And which, the feeling you get about the king, besides the fact that he is very gay <laughs> and that... Um, and that uh, Ken Russell does not know how to subtly tell you that he's no. gay. Uh, in fact, I would say if someone accused this movie of homophobia, I would not be offended by that. I don't know that I would totally agree with them, but I'd say, yeah, he, he certainly doesn't have a soft touch when it comes to being like, this character's gay. It's like, oh, let's have this character prance around in the most ridiculous way and be surrounded by... Uh, half-naked young boys. Yeah. And then that's that's how you know. Also, he's wearing a golden mask because uh, the gays like the golden masks. It's not subtle. Um, I don't actually think my man had issues with uh, people who were gay, but I don't know. I also know it's 1971, so are there a lot of subtle LGBTQ performances in 1971? Maybe not. I don't know. Point being is that the king is in a weird spot. He wants to maintain power. He needs the church to do that. He also needs the church not to be bummed out at his hedonistic lifestyle. <laughs> so he literally is just like anything the church is accusing Grandier of, the king has done far more than that. Obviously more than that. Does Absolutely. not care. And, uh, and we're shown that the cardinal does not care. 
At he is unconcerned with the sins of the king. At one point, the king is literally shooting people for sport in front of the cardinal while they're discussing the terms. Oh, that actually the cardinal's a big fan of because all the people in those bird costumes are Protestants. So. Oh, they're also wearing bird costumes. I forgot. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's shooting. He's doing what should be shooting birds. But instead of shooting actual birds, he's shooting Protestants in bird costumes. Yeah. We're getting off track here. But the point <laughs> being is that this is the, the complicated situation we find ourselves in. Grandier has a Achilles heel, which is that He's got a few, actually. One is that he has this indiscretion that he does not handle well, and he shows no compassion because he's kind of given up. He's associating this father's concern with uptight sexuality that he feels like he's almost above in some yeah. way. And he doesn't want to mess up his position of power, which would be involved if he married this young woman. Mm-hmm. So it's both selfish and it's related to like some of his ideas about the world. But then he falls in love with an actual woman and uh, that is closer to his age. And decides, like, why shouldn't a priest marry? So this is Achilles heel number two. He's made a theological decision without the support of the wider church. uh, And it's a way to get at him. And then the final Achilles heel is uh, is just Vanessa Redgrave's character. Which, by the way, he has no way to protect himself against. No. However, if he knew, if he really understood how vulnerable he was as a sexually promiscuous priest... He's well-loved, but no one, all the people in town you see like him a lot, but every time he walks around, they're all like, oh, that guy, he, you know what he does. So he, that's that's a problem. And then he married someone? Like, look, the thing you're known for is promiscuity. In fact, there are probably people who have sought you out because they're like, well, if I do it with a priest, there's no commitment there. You know, yeah, yeah. We're not going to get married. So then to suddenly be like, by the way, I fell in love and I got married. There's probably a whole town of women who are like, what do you mean you fell in love? <laughs> what about me? Who's she? What's going yeah. on here? So that's like, you know, th- there's a bunch there. And then finally is this situation, which is uh, Vanessa Redgrave. Um, and, and this is actually complex if you're not paying attention. <laughs> in the sense that what happens is Vanessa Redgrave, she freaks out because he decides not to be in charge of their convent. Yes. She makes an accusation out of anger and passion and rejection. And that immediately goes wrong for her. I think the first time I saw this movie, I've watched this movie like four times, I didn't quite understand the layers here. She makes an accusation, but the powers that be are so wanting this to be real that they basically torture her until they can get the answer they want. Yes. And then they threaten the lives of all the other nuns until they also affirm that this is real. So really the ball gets rolling for Vanessa Redgrave, but she, her character, this, this, uh, um, uh, what is her name? I think it's Jean in it, in this thing, but, uh, uh, Jean rather, uh, sister, sister, Jean, sister, Jean. She makes an impulsive decision. And she almost immediately regrets it. When she finally has an audience, her claims are far less intense than the first one she made. Absolutely. And she's trying to roll this thing back because she sees it's a problem. But what she doesn't know, she lives in a convent. She doesn't know the political machinations going on around her. So how is she supposed to know that by simply saying, I think something with Grandier, people were just like, what's that about Grandier? It was literally... They just ex- fucking go in. It was exactly what these people were looking yes. for. They, these people were looking for any reason to fucking nail this guy to the wall, and she presented it to him on a silver platter. And then to say, you know, when they torture her and she starts saying, like, oh, these other... He he came to these, these other women and all this shit. It's just... 
I don't know. It was it was sort of like set up perfectly to uh to bring this guy down. Um and that's exactly what happened, unfortunately. So um we've talked a lot about the setup for the plot, but I think that's important to understand the movie. What happens from there is just fucking insanity because the, the basically what happens is uh, you get the feeling that we have a building full of repressed women mm-hmm. who fear for their lives already. And then they're told that what is expected of them from the church is for them to lose their shit. And to blaspheme. Blaspheme as much as possible and blame it all on Grange. And they fucking oblige. It is uh, mm, 45 minutes of the craziest shit I have ever seen. I you know I've seen people be like oh, I don't know it wasn't as crazy as I thought it was going to be you're an idiot <laughs> okay I mean okay is it is it I guess if you're in a modern audience and you've seen a Serbian film Ugh. you can be like oh it's not as bad as this okay sure whatever fuck you what this is is an art movie in which you know these people have been instructed to freak out and at certain times. They're really freaking out. We see a woman dry humping the face of Jesus Christ. <laughs> right. Uh, they basically uh, rape a priest. Um, just strip him naked and just do everything they can to get him hard so mm-hmm. they can ride him. While another priest is watching and masturbating. Another priest climbs up high up, I think possibly to kill himself, sees all this going on and then just can't help himself but jerk off onto the whole seat. And it's all, all this could be so, again, much like a Serbian film, could be so cheap, could be just done in the most obvious way. And somehow Ken Russell keeps in this movie pushing the envelope in such a way where it makes sense, but it's not real. It doesn't feel realistic, but it makes sense within the context of the movie and it gets under your skin. You're never like, this is funny. It's like, nope, not funny, upsetting. The thing that really got me was how in the middle of this just massive orgy where these priests are just trying to exercise, just futilely trying to exercise the demons from these gyrating nuns, in comes the king himself. And he's like, I have the solution for this. He's like, what's going on? Oh, these women are possessed. And he hands the master exorcist the golden box. And I think he says, like, the blood of Christ is in here. And he goes, here, just evoke the name of Christ. That'll that'll knock him dead. So this exorcist, without looking into the box, starts, you know, in the name of Christ. And he starts, you know, knocking the, 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 de- the devils out of these women. And they're all like, I am free, Father, I am free. And then the king, like, smirking, like, takes the box back and opens it up. And it's literally an empty box. So this king very, very clearly does not buy into any of their bullshit. He is not he's not into it at all. And yet, even in the middle of this, when they're proven, you're fucking lying right now. The king, the highest authority in the land, knows you're fucking lying. They still go ahead with it. That's the part that I was like... Well, to be fair, the king doesn't show up. A friend of the king wearing a mask. Oh, who sounds, I'm sorry. Who sounds I'm, exactly I'm like sorry. the king. I'm sorry. Uh, might I observe, I'm a friend of the king. And yes. it just goes, surely your highness. But the fact remains is that a representation of no, the no, crown no, 100%, 100%. And they still were just like, it doesn't matter. Right. All that mattered, like, we're going to look the king, in, we're going to look the king, quote unquote, in the eye. He knows that we're lying. We know that he knows we're lying. And we're still going to go ahead because that's how much we hate this motherfucker. Well, and they can't even get him for the things he's actually done. Like, so quickly, the idea that he's uh, fucked a bunch of women, yeah. which is not great, not even an issue. The idea that he now has gotten married is an issue, 
But it's not even the main issue. They're just really obsessed that he has to commi- c- confess to all this Satan stuff. And yeah. literally, my f- one of my favorite lines in the movie is, call me, it's, I don't have the exact wording, but it's like, call me the greatest sinner in the land. Call me the worst sinner who's ever lived. But the devil's boy, I should never be. I haven't the humility for it. Yeah, it's so, it's Oliver Reed at his fucking best. It's so, okay. We've done a lot of the plot, and I'm sorry for that, y'all. And it's not even the full plot. That's just the setup to get us to the craziness. Yeah. How's the movie itself? I'll say a little bit, and then I'll let Justin say a bit, because I want to hear what he has to say as someone who hadn't watched it before until we watched it, as someone who's now watched it a few times. It's really easy to just talk about the spectacle and to focus on that, and especially for me to focus on Oliver Reed. Oliver Reed is straight up eating the scenery in this movie. He is fucking... You know, he gets to be both lascivious and righteously indignant. You know what I mean? <laughs> because he is both a cad and right. Which, by the way, is I'm assuming how Oliver Reed was in real life. One hundred percent. Just a drunken monster who mostly actually wants good in the world, but <laughs> spends all his time drinking and fucking. But then, you know, given the opportunity, would be like, "I'll stand up against you, you villain." Yeah, yeah. And then once he wins, go, "Let's go drink and fuck." Yes. You know, like that just seems like who he is. So that's who he gets to be in this movie. He's great. Uh, much more respect though to Vanessa Redgrave, who manages to be both the victim and the villain. There mm-hmm. are moments in this movie where you're like, "This woman is evil," and there are moments in this movie where you're like. This poor woman who made a very bad decision is getting destroyed by the system that gives not a fuck, not a single oh. fuck for her or her life or who she is as a person. Like, n- no matter how how much what she does is bad, at no point am I like, oh, she has some sort of agency in this film. No, that th- okay, I put to you then, if she has no choice, if she is, com- if she is forced into this, which she is by and large forced into this position... Can you truly call her a villain? She doesn't have a choice. She can't choose. The beginning of the movie is setting her up to be a villain. And only the circumstance of history makes it clear that it's like, oh, you thought that's what this movie was about? No, 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 my friend. No, no, no. It is a movie about a resentful, jealous woman. Yeah. But then Ken Russell, who I think wouldn't have anything against the movie about a resentful, jealous woman. I don't get the feeling that he's a huge feminist who's like, we will not have a woman like that. And I think he would be fine with a movie like that. But he understands the history of the situation. He's yeah. like, oh yeah, this started with this angry woman, but if you think this worked out for her, you're wrong. Yes. Uh, she basically got abused for days and it's, days and days. It's heartbreaking the moment when she realizes, when she's like, uh, Grangier possessed me. And they're like, okay, set up the rack so we can find out what else he did. And she's like, uh, I was just making that up. They're like, no, 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 no. The devil is here. Yeah. Get the get the holy water enema ready. It's 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 horrifying. And and uh, and so for me, the spectacle is important because it's there for a reason. Ken Russell is not interested in, in titillating you. He's not interested in just being like, I'm going to make the most fucked up movie ever. That wasn't the point. The point here, I think, to a large extent, was to create this feeling of insanity, um, make sure that that insanity was associated with the system as much as it was with the individuals, and, by the way, to be historically accurate, a lot of the things he puts in this movie that are really upsetting are actually things that happened. I would suggest that the torture is the most historically accurate. It is. And the characters... Not so much. Grandier was not as noble as he is in this no, movie. No, that that thing that they did with his legs. Yeah. Um, I, it's called like the embrace or something like that. Yeah. Oh my god! And they actually fucking did that. That was the yeah. preferred method, where, 
and I believe in in the books they describe it as the way they broke his legs. They didn't break it with one just sharp crack. They would do it like by like they right. would tap and oh my god. So um, I think for me, probably it's obvious already that this is a a brilliant film, not because of the extremity of it or the intensity of it. Or what most people say the first time we see it, which is just like, that movie was crazy. Um, it's the complexity of a movie where Ken Russell is clearly very mad at the church, very mad at the history and, and the way that humans will crush people for what they believe or will pretend to believe to get what they want. Yeah. But I think also uh, in Grandier we do get a figure who like has something he believes in. And maybe that thing is just love. Just like he's finally fallen in love and no. he thinks that there's something beautiful about that. But it is a film about a person who believes something and who won't give up that thing if, if and is cru- fucking destroyed for it. it. It is historically accurate that Grangier went to the stake he didn't confess. He mm-hmm. never confessed. They did these terrible, terrible things to him, and he never once confessed for what he did. If anything, he's a man of principle. Right. I mean, he cast aside his vows and all that, but right. they broke his fucking legs and pierced his tongue and burned him alive. And all he, I mean, they were going to kill him anyway. Right. All he had to do was say, Yeah, the devil made me do it. I'm a fucking. And they would have made his last moments less painful. Less painful. Instead, he basically like looked him in the eye and was like, I know I'm going to die anyway, so mm. go fuck yourself. And he, he stood by his word. And yeah, he is, if anything, he's a true believer. Like That's what I think makes him, makes the character anyway, not terrible, is that he wasn't, he didn't join the priesthood out of any desire to exercise his power over other people or as an avenue for to, 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 to indulge in his lust. Like, maybe that was part of it, but... I truly believe that he truly believed. And I really think that he joined the priesthood because he honestly was buying what they were selling. Right. And he was a man of conviction. Right. Which I guess makes him the closest thing to a hero in this movie. Yeah, I mean, I think the whole beginning of the movie is meant to not have you think of him as a, just a straight up hero. Like, I think that's intentional. Yeah. Is to be like, you know, he's he's not dumb. And he does some, not heroic, but, um, you know, very purposeful things. But he's also kind of an asshole. Yeah. Uh, And then he, basically, what the movie does that is kind of cruel is he's going through an arc. He's having an arc. Yeah. He's having a character arc right at the moment where the whole town's like, well, I guess we're going to just murder this guy when he gets back. As soon as he gets back here. He's fucking dead. We're going to fucking destroy this dude. And the only real mistake in some ways uh, towards the end of the movie is just he doesn't realize how insane they all are. He doesn't. He really keeps thinking like, I'm going to say the truth in a right tone and they're going to get it. And then at some point he's like, ooh, they're not going to get it. I'm going to die. But, you know, it doesn't have to be that bad. And then he just won't give up. Yeah. You know, it, even once he finally realizes, oh, these are the worst people ever, and this is not going to go well for me. So, I don't know. I, I think it's an amazing film. Um, the question could be brought up, is it a horror film? 
and I think that question is a fair question. I think of it as a horror film. Absolutely. I think, I think yes, it's a historical film that just has upsetting things in it. But if you actually think about those upsetting things, it's a horror. It's a horror movie. Well, the most, the the, the, the most, you know, the, the the weird physical torture aside, I think the thing that's most upsetting about this is, as we said, like Oliver Reed is the closest thing to a hero in this movie. He's not a hero right. because there are this movie. It, it doesn't when it, on the on the spectrum of like morality. Right. We have at one end the the cardinal and the government who are absolutely dyed in the wool fucking evil. And on the other end we have Oliver Reed who is well-meaning but still naive to a fault and uh a little too indulgent and you know and careless in what he does. And then in the middle we have all these like weird like you could argue that the nuns yeah. the other nuns are innocent but it, it's just like I think they 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 well they're they're selfish and self-interested. We see that from the beginning. But they're selfish, but they're so they're so not they're they're such cardboard characters that they almost lack agency. Even like even Vanessa Redgrave, we said she lacked agency, but at least there was something going on there. Right. They're almost like automatons. Like they're almost like there's nothing really going on there. I, I don't know. There's stuff. There's decisions they make before things really hit the fan that I think show that they are at least. Uh, they're kind of like naughty little girls. This is their. This is the. This is basically like they're not going to work jobs. Yeah, they're not going to get married. I don't even think there's really. Op- I mean, literally, if their parents don't send them to a convent, they're just going to live with their parents for the rest no, of their life. What I'm saying is, when it comes to the sense of good or good or bad, there's nothing really going on there for them. I think they. I think they. I think it. it there's a couple of scenes where they're mocking things that suggest that they're not. They're at least selfish humans. Okay. However, I don't think Ken Russell cares about that. Like, yeah, that's, I think that's he's my really point. clear that like the bad people are the church officials. Yes. Even what's crazy is I would argue even our very murderous, very immoral, very gay king is not even. As bad as the religious officials. No, he's bad. He's a monster. You should be afraid of him. But Ken, but but Ken Russell's film. This film seems to suggest that Ken Russell's like, yeah, he's a monster. But I mean, uh, you know, he'd be fine if you just left him alone. Just let him have his fun. Yeah, let him shoot his Protestants dressed as crows. He's only shooting the Protestants because he can. Because yeah. the church is like, yeah, they're not human. He's like, cool. Then let's. Sh- I'm bored. Let's shoot them. You know what I mean? Like, I I just think like, uh, you know, it's. Uh, it, the film seems to suggest that um, state, if he's the stand-in for state power, state power is bad. It's immoral. Yeah, but uh, it's 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 aware. It's in its corruption. It is aware of its immorality. Yes, the king is clear-eyed about who he is. Yeah, what makes the church so bad is that the church is as conniving and manipulative and evil, but really is like but we're we're right though see i don't even know if they are because again they are proven wrong in the midst of this exorcism and they keep fucking going because it's more he but they say it though they explain it in the plot they make the case look if you confess we'll be able to convert so many people to heaven based upon your confession like they make in other words yes uh, you're right they're not true again we're a little bit biased as americans we think about authenticity yes 
None of these people are authentic. But I would suggest that in medieval Catholicism, being devoted to the Pope is more important than authenticity. Absolutely. And they are devoted to the Pope. Mm -hmm. All of this stuff for them will continue the mission of the church. And that mission is completely devoid of human compassion. And, you know, you see what I'm saying? Like, I'm not trying to be anti-Catholic or anything. I'm just saying in this scenario, and I think this is an, uh, this movie is an exaggeration of what was really going on, which is like, let's smush church power and state power together, and the maintaining of that power and authority is more important than any other concern that we could possibly have. Yeah. Nothing else matters, and that's sort of what happens in this film. Um and of course they tear the walls down. They just literally blow the fucking walls the up. The last thing way. Oliver sees Oliver Reed sees as he's fucking burning alive is these walls coming down. And mm-hmm. it's it sucks. So what did you think I, I went on a, t- a bit too much. What uh, what did you think of the movie? I mean, I think you liked it, but do yeah. you want to say something like more definitive? Um it? sorry I'm so chatty. I just really fucking love this movie, y'all, so I could I could go on even more about it. No, we do I uh, movie to cover. I think I already basically talked about what I really liked about this movie was the the sort of lack of any real moral anchoring by any one character. Uh, I thought that was fascinating how they, they, they worked with what they had, which was Oliver Reed being this Lothario versus the church who were being, you know, absolute legitimate monsters. I also just like we, we talked about like the set, the set design. I, I just thought this movie was like a, like a beautiful movie to see. Um Especially with with some of the scenes when they're when it's in the beginning when Oliver Reed is like walking the streets and they're like bringing out the fucking dead and there's fires and these piles of plague victims, um, and in the middle of it there's these like strange weird like these like doctors who I don't know what they actually do, uh, they just add this sense of the fantastic to the movie because it's like Oliver Reed just like a normal person trying to have go about his normal day and then you have these like fucking lunatics who are like bothering him and wearing plague doctor masks and wielding giant stuffed crocodiles it just it, it uses a lot of like strange set design and psychedelic weird orgies to set this sort of dreamlike setting and then you just have these these two characters who are making it even more absurd i mean i, I I'm, I'm not gonna say anything I, I i already said everything i really i really like about this movie so i guess i i, th- I do think i want to highlight again um, I mean, I think we both think you should probably see this movie. I think it's really amazing. I do want to warn you, seeing the version, I got the DVD release that has a bunch of the footage cut back in. That's still, I think, the 108-minute version. The full 111 minutes uh, is really hard to find. I don't think it has a home video release. I think there's only one film copy that only occasionally screens. Well, according to IMDb, the original director's cut, the uncut version, is an hour and 51 minutes. Right. So that I don't think exists. exists. That's a lost film. Yeah. The uh, uh, so that, Wait. Do that math for me. How many minutes is that? It's 40 minutes over the... Uh, what? 151... Because the version we saw was 108 minutes. There is the 111 minutes that was shown originally that had the two scenes, this two bits cut out. But Russell's original cut was 151 minutes. So there is 40 minutes of footage missing from this movie that will never be seen. I understand there is a 35 millimeter that plays sometimes. I think there's also a 70 millimeter, but I don't think it was filmed in 70 millimeters. I don't think you need to see that. But there is a 35 millimeter cut 
That is, I think, the 109. If you have the chance to see that, which probably means you're at a film festival yeah. or you're in LA or something, I think that's worth doing. Um, I still think the edit, especially if it's the U.S. edit, which is at 108 minutes, or no, at 109 minutes, rather, I think that's worth seeing, the 109 minutes. I will say, you know, check and see what version you were watching. I think when people see this with some of the stuff cut out, again, I get it that you might be like, why do I need all the extra insanity? But I actually think the extra insanity makes the film make more sense to me. Because it makes it pop. It, yeah, it brings yeah. something to it. Yeah, so uh, just keep in mind, just whatever version you're watching might not be the version per se. Um, I, I, On the other hand, uh, any version is still going to have Oliver Reed being amazing. So... I think whatever version you have access to, you should see it. But again, it's it's an upsetting film. Uh, it's not a film I think that could even play today without some controversy. You know, no. like there there would be. Th- it, it is not. I don't think it's. I don't think it's unreasonable for charges of misogyny to be leveled against this film. Sure, it's it it, it would not like I would defend this movie against that. Yeah, but I don't think it's unreasonable to say like this movie does not paint women. Not even in a less than favorable light, but right. as like absolute, you know, it was Eve who ate the apple first, right? Well, but I, I think it's worth noting that I think the film suggests that hysteria as an idea. So for people who don't know, hysteria was this like fake mental illness that women supposedly had, mostly uh, according to psychologists, because they weren't getting dick was basically the issue. They weren't they weren't having sexual release. Yes. And so um, that led to some interesting things. The invention of the vibrator, for example. But uh, the point being is that it wasn't real. Um, and there's some suggestion in this movie that that's sort of what's going on with these women. And I think that um, on the positive angle, I don't think Ken Russell really thinks we should be blaming these women, the nuns, for freaking out. This is just the result of the system they're in and whatever, whatever. Yeah. On the other hand, he does start to suggest that, like, being in a nunnery against your will does mean, like, you would really just at some moment just totally lose your shit. You could, yeah, you, you, you could, could really lose your shit. And I, I think it gets a little, ex- it, it gets excessive, and I think the excessiveness of it is meant to tell us, say, one thing. Yeah. If you were a certain kind of dude, though, you could watch this movie and be like, these fucking ladies are sending up my man yeah, Oliver Reed. Yeah, it's also worth noting that the men in this movie, Oliver Reed included, included aren't particularly restrained or no. quiet. Like, no. the main exorcist rarely speaks below a shout and is all, most of the time screaming and wild-eyed, as manic, if not more manic, than most of the women in this movie. Right. You know, there's the there's the weird, crazy orgy scene where he's in the middle of it, and they're like rubbing up on him. He's shouting biblical verses and condemnations at it. But then at the very end, when uh, Oliver Reed is like tied to the stake and burning, he's still just as fucking fired up and screaming no, at he's him. He's fucking insane. He's 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 an absolute like absolute fucking lunatic. So don't 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 believe like don't think that it's just like. There's all these women losing their shit, and then there's over on the other side. There's the men like women in their vapors. Lord knows what to do. It's not like that at all. Everyone in this movie is losing their shit. Everyone is going fucking crazy in this movie. But I think it being 1971 and no one there is like 
guys, I think we're going hard on these ladies. You know what I mean? Like, no, I, I, yeah, I, I think it does go hard. Like, I, I think it's you'd be fair to say, like, it goes too hard. And like I said earlier, goes a little hard on uh, our on our very flamboyantly gay king. He has a little much. It's a little much. I think you could level. And then again, it's Ken Russell. If you've seen some Ken Russell movies, you could level the term a little much yeah. on almost all of them. Have you seen Altered States? Yeah. So, you know, I get that as a criticism. I do think, though, overall, um, you could make a very strong case that maybe he didn't intend it. I'm not sure what his politics were. But you could talk a lot about very... If you are someone who is creative in your feminist theory or queer theory, you could actually say a lot of very interesting things using this movie. Uh, Also about faith and power. And, you know, those of you listening who have any interest in political theology, uh, guess what? This movie has a lot to say. And if anyone who's listening has any thoughts on this movie in that arena, please contact us because I I certainly would like to hear it too. I would love to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, I agree. So... Uh, I'm sure we could keep talking about this crazy movie, but we have another not quite as crazy, Ugh. but maybe crazy in a different way movie to talk about, and that's Bruno Mattei's The Other Hell. The Other Hell, of course, is the hell. The first hell is watching this movie. <laughs> the Other Hell is the title of this movie. We'll, we'll be right back. The nuns are still extremely shocked. Mother, I was sent here specially to try to find out how these women died. It was a job I was given. And I don't mean to leave this convent until I've solved the mystery. Well, there's no mystery in this convent, I assure you. Oh, my God. 
And we are back to talk about 1981's Bruno Mattei movie, The Other Hell. You've probably heard us talk about Bruno Mattei numerous times on this uh, on this show. Um, was Night of a Thousand Cats directed by Bruno Mattei? Nope. Okay. But Hugo Stieglitz was in it, and Hugo Stieglitz is in an Umberto, an Umberto Lenzi movie called Nightmare City. And I first heard of Bruno Mattei when I purchased a box set of DVDs that had an Umberto Lenzi film, which was uh, The Ogre, and Black Demons, so that's films. And the third movie in that trilogy was this, The Other Hell. Uh, all three of those movies were fucking garbage. So I mean, I, I think it would be fair to say that Bruno Mattei makes fucking garbage movies. He does. He is not. He is. And the question is, are those garbage movies entertaining or not? I don't think most of them are. Okay, so let's let's do this. If you go, I'm on Letterbox right now, looking okay. at films directed by Bruno Mattei, and I have them in order of uh, popularity. What's the most popular Bruno Mattei film? Zombie Three. Makes sense. Uh, a, a film also that people speculate was ghost directed by our man uh, Claudio Fragasso, who you may know from such movies as Troll Two and uh, um, Beyond. I think it's Beyond Darkness or something like that. Boy anyways, and Omega, something like that. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, number two is Zombie Creeping Flesh. It's okay. Uh, rats. I think Zombie Creeping Flesh was the alternate title for The Other Hell. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, 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 no. No, different. What? Yeah. Not The Other Hell. You mean the alternate title? I'm sorry. For Hell of the Living Dead. Yes. That's, yes. Okay. That's correct. Uh, then Rats, Night of Terror. I think Rats, Night of Terror is fucking great. Like legit great or like ironically great? No, it's great. terrible, but okay. it's a lot of fun. Or again, Terminator 2, Shocking Dark. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> but I think it's a masterpiece. But I bought it on Blu-ray. Interesting. Uh, and a lot of people I know think it's fucking great. Uh, other movies here that I know are bad, Caged Women, SS Girls, Women's Prison Massacre, these are bad films. I hear Strike Commando is a lot of fun. I hear Robo War is a lot of fun. Uh, and then once you get past those first three lines, these are movies whose posters look amazing, but I've never heard of, like uh, Women's Camp 119 or Scalps or Double Target. Or The Seven Gladiators, or Strike Commando 2, or Madness. So, uh, I think my man just made a lot of trash, and like, you know, respect to him for surviving off of trash. Yeah. I will say, uh, as I sort of half mentioned, that um, The Other Hell is one of a few movies that 
people suspect was sort of a shadow directed by Claudio Fragasso, who is given credit for the story, but word from said is that he really shot a lot of it. Um, and like I said, Claudio Fragasso, he also dealt in trash, but his trash seems to have had a bigger impact, especially when we're you talking about... You meet Troll 2. Troll 2 has had a big, bigger impact. Okay. Yes. However, I'm going to his director stuff now. I do mean Troll 2. I think I'm also talking about Beyond Darkness. Okay. Which is a um, fucking... La Casa. La Casa movie. There you go. I thought there was one more. I was about to make a big old point, and now I don't see it. So, <laughs> okay. Troll 2 and Beyond Darkness, I guess, are the other... Well, no. No one cares about Zombie 4. I care about Zombie 4. He he did Zombie 4. He also did Monster Dog. <laughs> I think I saw Monster Dog, actually. Monster Dog? Didn't that play at... Uh, yes, That Monster played at 24 Dog. hours? Yeah. Yeah, Monster Dog actually is a lot of fun. It's not good, but it's a lot no, of fun. No, none of this is good. <laughs> none of this is good. Okay, so let's talk about the other hell. Uh, so let's just... Uh, from a horror perspective, because I feel that The Devils is far too artistically... Uh, I don't want to say self-aware. We'll say uh, coherent and well-made <laughs> to uh, to talk about, you know, non-sploitation. I think this movie is a classic example of someone looking at nuns and thinking, wow, nuns are both scary in and of themselves, and it would also be scary if something bad were to happen to the nuns. Like, the nuns are being viewed as this uh, embodiment of innocence that it would be super creepy if something evil came in and made like how creepy would it be if all of a sudden the ultra pious and the good became evil wouldn't that be creepy and plus people think they're doing all sorts of scissoring and, and, and touching in there anyway I mean to be fair this dude is Italian so what is that what is so the cultural impact of nuns on him is not comparable to it as us no no but what I'm even saying- if you were super Catholic which you're not your American Catholicism cannot compare to any Italian human, especially an Italian human at this point in time. Yes. So, but what I'm saying is, is yes, his idea, his, the horror for him is probably fueled more by the corruption of innocence than it is the, who knows what those fucking nuns do when we're not looking. We don't know what they're doing. Sure. And there's also, there is something inherently creepy about the religious and, um, I guess, like, like weird religious order aspect of the nuns. Like, they have the uniform. There's just something that speaks about the way nuns look and act that... I'm not saying nuns are evil. I'm not saying that. But it's very easy to see something, like, sort of spooky about them. Spooky. They look kind of spooky. That's why The Nun is such a great movie. Stop it. But, no. This movie, um, it's a fucking mess. Jesus Christ. It, it doesn't really, it, it sort of latches on to the idea of, you know, evil and corruption creeping into like an innocent area and fucking it up for everyone. But I just don't think it, I, I ultimately don't think it works. I just think it's really boring and really dull and doesn't really go anywhere. The first time we watched this movie, I basically slept through the whole thing. <laughs> so, you know, that's. You know, that's not a good sign. No. But I did rewatch it. I I was tempted to just be like, I'm just going to let Justin talk about it, and I don't need to watch it, because I just... I stopped. also don't remember a fucking thing about this movie. But um, I did rewatch it. And I do think on my second watch, which was kind of my first watch, because I slept through large sections of it the first time, um, I think there's m- there is 
a little bit more here. Okay. In the sense that Bruno Matai at times, Matei, I'm sorry, at times has a bit of an eye for upsetting things. Yeah, but I don't think that's like a, a fucking big I, old no, check in the pro I column. I do. I do think it is. I think that's what we're dealing It's a visual medium, and he occasionally excels at that. Only occasionally, and I will say, as we sort of already hinted, this movie might have been ghost-directed by someone else who, if you've seen Beyond Darkness, also has an ability to occasionally upset. In fact, I would say Beyond Darkness is kind of similar to this movie in that the plot is a mess that doesn't make any sense, but there's occasionally stuff that you're like, oh, that's upsetting. You're describing a Fulci film right now. Uh, I, I actually will 100% take that on, only the difference is that um, Fulci is a master of doing that. Yes. Neither of these dudes are masters. No, this is amateur hour at its, it's finest. But no, but it's not as bad. Here's the thing. I think this movie's better than a number of other Matei films. Okay. And I think when I say there are moments that are upsetting, they're really upsetting. Like when she gets, uh, at a certain point, one of the nuns gets um, the stigmata. Okay. That's so fucking good. It's really good. Um, a couple of times when the nuns are having freakouts, there's a variety of them. Part of the issue here is that there's a lot of women in habits who look somewhat f- familiar. So l- let's lay out the plot issues here. One, we open up with a very upsetting scene that doesn't get immediately explained. We get a variety of priests whose characters are never developed. Yes. And then we get a variety of nuns, and these nuns are dying and it seems like there might be a possession going on. There might be something else going on. And it, it it's really convoluted. And I get that saying a Bruno Mattei film was convoluted is being redundant. but It's a bit of an understatement. But um, this is really convoluted such that I don't think either one of us could really tell you the plot very well other than at some point... Um, women are both trying to fuck and murder the skeptical science priest because the super into Jesus priest has already been murdered. Yeah. And then it gets revealed that one of the nuns had sex with Satan and then had a devil baby. That's what I'm saying. Only the devil baby presents itself as an adult woman and actually is like just a psychic girl and the skeptical priest is like, Actually, she's okay. Like we should, we should welcome Devil Baby into our midst. And Satan nun who had the Devil Baby is like, no, that's my baby. Fuck you, and murders Devil Baby. And then it's like a chase. Devil Baby and skeptical priest are chasing murder nun, and then it's like a whole thing. And then she tries to murder again, Devil Baby again, and then Devil Baby makes the dead nuns come to life. Okay, it's a confusing, stupid, bad. Movie. It's very but stupid. I don't. My first response, because I just saw sections of it, because I was sleeping, and it was such a fucking mess, that I I just thought, this movie is just trash. I think on rewatch, it's more like, it went from like a single star film for me, to more of like a two and a half. Like a two and a half out of five. That much of a jump. Yeah, because I think there's some upsetting things here. I think, I also think that there are better copies. We watched the copy that's on Shudder. Yeah. When I was looking for images of this film 
to post on Instagram, there's some really clear shots that actually make scenes that were kind of good in the movie look even more intense. Now, I don't know. Maybe those were behind-the-scenes shots, and they're not stills from the film. Yeah. But I think they're stills from the film, which makes me think there must be a better transfer somewhere. Now, would a better transfer save this movie? No. But I think a number of people who already know they like trash, people who already know, like, Oh, Bruno Mattei, yeah, I like that rat movie. You know? You you might you might be okay with this film. Yeah. I don't think it's total garbage. However, if you're already like, I don't know if I love Italian directors, this is not the thing to watch. This is not gonna convince you that it turns out you were wrong and Italian directors are really solid horror filmmakers. Yeah. No, 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 no. I think this is really if if I was gonna recommend anyone watch this, it's like you're a non-sploitation completist? Mm-hmm. I can see that. You're a religious horror completist. I can see that. Uh, you just are into nuns. There's a lot of nuns in this movie. I can see that. <laughs> uh, you want a movie with all the confusion of a giallo, but with half the artistic uh, ability. Half? With a quarter of the artistic ability. Keep going. There's <laughs> no artistic ability. Uh, I, I can see that. I, I just don't think... I think... You know, your immediate response is like, this is actually the worst thing I've ever seen. I wouldn't say it's the worst thing I've ever seen. It's But it's pretty low down. Again, I'll take a bad movie made in earnest any fucking day over a deliberately bad movie. And this movie is, if anything, I would give it the fucking half a star for being earnestly made. Sure. When I... your movie is shadow directed by the guy who did Troll 2, it's hard to defend. Yeah, but I don't think Beyond Darkness is trash. I don't think it's trash. No. And I get here's the thing. This movie if this movie was not so self-serious cuz it's self-serious basically cuz it's about nuns and religion. If it was not so self-serious, it might be able to reach troll 2 status of hilarity. I don't know. I I think it could get there. I just don't think it's there because it's a very self-serious movie and because because it's so self-serious, it has large sections of Talky talky. Um, when you're working with actors, some of whom don't speak English, but your movie's entirely in English and they're just pretending to talk and then you're going to voice it over later, have less talky. Liam says when it comes to Italian horror films, less talky talky, more falky falky. <laughs> Stop it. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, this is a film that actually could do with more, with less context, that yeah. could do with more just upsetting imagery. Um, and it has some of that, so I don't want to just say it's like utter garbage. Um, but it's not great. It's not great. And I think even for this director, you could do better. You know what I mean? Yeah, like he if has you're... done better. I I like Zombie 4. It's uh, insanity. He didn't do Zombie 4. The other guy did. Oh, okay. I stand corrected. I guess I don't like anything that Bruno Mattei did. No, wait. The Rat movie. I like the Rat movie. I don't think I've ever seen N- Rat's Night of Terror. Really? Oh. He yeah. did. He he did. Okay, he did Zombie Three. He, or he yeah. He quote unquote. Did, I don't even know all these fucking people and their weird shadow directing. I can't get on the internet anymore, so I don't know what he did. No, Fulci did Zombie Three. Well, so much the way that Matei didn't really maybe direct parts of this movie, and Steven Spielberg actually directed Poltergeist. Stop it. I'm just okay. Let's just say that according to. IMDb, which is not always a very reliable website. <laughs> um, Matei directed. Well, actually, now, according to IMDb and Letterboxd, 
Matei at least somewhat directed Zombie 3. Is that true? I don't know. I wasn't there. I'm not going to pretend I was there, and I know. Look, here's the thing. Some people who listen to our show enjoy trash. You enjoy movies that are just kind of not great movies, and they're fun for you. I'm not going to yuck your yum. That's not what we're here for. I'm not here to yuck your yum. If you like that sort of thing, I think this movie fits the bill. I just think if you're going to have a movie like this, it just needs to be not boring. And there are sections of this movie that are very boring. You need to do what Fulci did, and is if you have a movie that's very light on storyline, you need to lean very hard into the absolute batshit insanity imagery. This movie doesn't do that. This movie isn't like City of the Living Dead, which I couldn't tell you what it was actually about if you put a gun to my head, but I do know that there's a lot of off-the-wall, crazy-ass, actually terrifying imagery. I thought it was about a girl peeking up her own intestines. That's my point. And the fucking eyes, you know, like, you know, people getting drilled in the eyes. This movie doesn't have that. This movie just doesn't have the fucking weirdness and the... Uh, I, I don't know even what was upsetting about this, aside from the fact that I, I had to watch it. No, there's some there's some there's some intense moments I actually think are there, but they're purely in, intense in their imagery. There are no characters in this film other than things like that's the priest who's into Jesus. <laughs> that's, that's the, the priest, science guy. That's the priest who's kind of into science. That's the Father Karras. That's the head nun. The head nun by the way is the crazy nun. You know she's the crazy one from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Uh I don't know if you ever learned which nun wants to fuck science priests. All of them? No, there's one who's specifically like, watch out, Father. She wants to hurt you. Mm, I, I love you, though. I want to love you. You like science? I see your 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 beaker needs to be cleaned. Let me stop. Um, you know, uh, I you know, it's worth to me also noting Bruno Mattei was making movies for no money and trying to like get by, and clearly he had seen The Devils and The Exorcist and Carrie and because there's like psychic moments and things yeah. like that. Uh, and so, you know, he's r- ripping things off, whatever, whatever. But is it worth finding this movie? I think only if you have Shudder and you are into, really into uh, trashy nun movies. Then I could see you might enjoy this. If you're a non-sploitation completist, you've probably already seen this movie. <laughs> that's that's probably true. Uh, I think he also filmed another movie here, that Nun of Munzo movie. Yeah, that he... was filming in the same building at the same time with the same characters, Jesus the Christ. same set pieces. Jesus, that's what I mean about this movie. It's it's just it's it's almost it doesn't okay. It doesn't fit together either, and the ending is ridiculous. There's almost no reason for this movie to exist. <laughs> the thing with the the. The thing with Bruno Mattei, and I've talked about this with Beyond Darkness, is that he kind of gets a sense that there's all these elements, but he doesn't know how to put them together. Yeah. So it's like, there's alchemy, and there's possession. It's almost like he's a bad director. Fucking the devil. Oh, God. I mean, yeah, but it's just so obvious to call him. Look, here's the thing. Do I hate the other hell the way I hate something obviously hateable, like typo negative? No. Here we go. <laughs> but do I not like it the way I not like something that like has elements that I appreciate, but also has elements that I really dislike? Like, say, I don't know, Carnivore? Yes. <laughs> I, well, I, don't, I don't know how Peter Steele fits in all this, but whatever. Uh, he would fuck all of these nuns. Yeah, That's... he'd fuck anything. <laughs> Literally, he would fuck both of us and that chair over there. Only if we called him daddy. Yes. But that's besides the point. The whole thing is that it takes... Okay. 
This is I feel like this is also unfair because we're combining this movie with the devils. Yes. It's literally like <laughs> it's literally literally like we're comparing like uh uh we're we're basically comparing like Ride the Lightning or uh Damage Incorporated with like a crass demo. Not even like our crass record, but like a a, a practice tape they yeah. made when they were writing one of their worst songs. Yeah. It's it, it's just barely manages to convince you on any level that he's seen a movie <laughs> that he is aware of the fucking he's aware of his duties as a director <laughs> what a film is what a story is what words are it just it's not like a, look, a, it's look. not like a bad movie like zombie flesh eaters or it's just you watch this movie and you're like why does this exist zombie flesh eaters is a great movie no, I know, but it's it, it, it's it's a fun movie. Okay, this movie is not that fun. No, look, let's just wrap up here. The point is, if you want to watch a Bruno Mattei movie, just watch the Rats movie. Yeah, or Hell of the Living Dead. I think those are fine. I would like to watch Strike Commando. Yeah, I want to see Cruel Jaws. <laughs> Cruel Jaws. I want to see the Terminator movie, but mostly just because I own it, and so I should watch it since I own it. You fucking should. Maybe we'll do an episode on Terminator Two, striking. We should do an we should do an episode on actual movies that were marketed as the sequels to other movies. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll do a whole La Casa series. Oh, I would fucking love to do that. I would love to do that. Okay. So we're gonna wrap it up. Uh, Thanks for listening to us ramble about these movies, especially this last one that we really, really, really weren't fucking bonkers about. Um. As always, you can check us out on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you listen to us on iTunes, you should give us a give us a good rating. And uh, remember, rate, review, subscribe, and download, 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 download. Um, if you're interested in our Patreon, you can go to www.cinepunks.com backslash Patreon or Patreon backslash Cinepunks. I don't know. It's too late in the day. Uh, you can follow us or me on Instagram and Twitter because I, I guess I should give Liam the access to that too. At both of them are the Harbiz six six six, and if you're interested on doing the Facebook, John, it's the Harb- Facebook.com backslash the Harbiz six six six. So until next time, um, have a good night. That's all I got. That's it. That's it. I was gonna say something controversial, but then I don't know. I haven't. I'm too tired to be controversial. Until next time, Zombie Four is the second best zombie movie in the genre, not in the series. Good night. Stop.